What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hooked on Sports. This is episode number 213 of Hooked on Sports. The core date of this podcast is Monday, the 26th of December, 2022. And I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful holiday. So so before we get into today's podcast, we've, we've got a lot of things to talk about in the NFL, including some, uh, some significant breaking news with the Denver Broncos and you, you you can follow this podcast on Twitter at hooked underscore on sports and on Instagram uh, at hooked underscore on sports and follow me on Twitter at John Flynn 97 and on Instagram at Jay Flizzy. So we, we've, we've got things to get into today. We'll get into some the uh, the Boston Celtics and the NBA uh, alongside the Knicks in a little bit. We'll also get into the college football playoff will make our official picks for that because we have the Wednesday's podcast will be about week 17 in the NFL. But I'm going to give you uh, three, three topics in the NFL we'll be talking about in just a little bit. We'll be talking about the Green Bay Packers and their chances to make the playoffs, the Minnesota Vikings, and another statement win for Kevin O'Connell in terms of the Coach of the Year conversation. We'll, we'll talk about the... The Steelers winning winning one for the late Franco Harris on Saturday night in Las Vegas, but we we begin today's podcast talking about the news that the Denver Broncos fired Nate Hackett after not even a season on the job. And let's be honest here: the Denver Broncos have been a franchise that's played sixty three seasons, including this, and. This is as low as the franchise has gotten. The Denver Broncos as a franchise, when you, when you look at the the power and the status and the power ranking and 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 how and how they fit in and where, where they are in terms of the direction and the future, it's a new low. And they are they are right now a complete and utter embarrassment. They are dead in the water. And when I say new low, you you look at the everything throughout the history of the franchise. The the lean years of the 60s, the blowouts of the Super Bowls, uh, the Josh McDaniels fiasco, the quarterback struggles since their last Super Bowl, and where the Broncos are right now, with what Nate Hackett has left behind, is the lowest this franchise has been. And what Nate Hackett and Russell Wilson have done in the 11 months since they came to Denver have just been shocking and horrendous and embarrassing and grotesque all in one place. And this this was and this comes from and this this thought comes from someone who is shocked. And I thought the Denver Broncos offseason plan was brilliant. Bring in a new coach, an offensive minded coach to jolt the offense after the failures of the previous six years under John Fox and Vic Fangio. Bring in a Hall of Fame type quarterback in Russell Wilson who I evaluated as a top five quarterback in the NFL as of uh, as of the trade. No quarterback did more with less offensive line help over the last five seasons. Thanks, John Schneider. Thanks, Pete Carroll. And you, you saw the entire Denver Broncos season yesterday on Sunday encapsulated in one game. A nationally broadcasted game against the Rams. The defunct, dead LA Rams without their starting quarterback, their superstar wide receiver, this generation's greatest defensive player, and a whole slew of other injuries. And they got ran they got ran out of the stadium. Fifty-one to fourteen was the final score. 
51 to 14. Now, when I was preparing these remarks after the game on Sunday, when I was preparing my takes, I said Nate Hackett was going to be fired at the end of the year, and he was cooked, and there's no recovering from this, and honestly, he's never going to be a head coach again. He refused to bring in the concepts that Russell Wilson really liked, completely different from what Brian Dable did with, with Daniel Jones, and, and we'll get into that game in just a little bit, and was successful in, uh, in the concepts Russell Wilson was successful in with the Seahawks, with let with less offensive line help, and he ran a completely different offense. One that was so that 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 didn't work for Russ. One that uh, one that didn't work for the receivers. And I really liked the receivers, but I, I thought the injuries early on were so were were a problem. And 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 the the offense that that Nate Hackett ran with Aaron Rodgers uh, was one with a strong ground attack and and and, and relying on Aaron Rodgers to win games. Wasn't going to work with Russell Wilson, and and, and and we see why. And also, let's let's think of uh, think of the play calls that Nate Hackett did in the big spots in the playoffs in the NFC Championship game against Tampa Bay a couple years ago at at Lambeau Field. The the NFC Divisional playoff, they only had like one real real scoring drive on on that play, and that was early on. His play calling allowed the 49ers to hang on, and uh, in in that instance. And 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 as a result, the Packers are. I mean, the the, the Broncos are, are 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 dead. They have they have a they they have a lot of salary cap money space tied up to Russell Wilson over the next six years, including fifty million dollars each of each year from twenty twenty five to twenty twenty eight, and you don't have your first your first your. Your picks in the first two rounds of the draft next year, uh, because uh, as part of the Russell Wilson trade, that sent uh, that uh, that sent Noah Fant and uh, and company to uh, to Seattle, and uh, and you have a, a case where you, they're they're going to there there could be some coaches out there that are probably going to shy away from the job. Now re- reports are that Dan Quinn is is the front runner to be the next head coach and. We'll see exactly how how he translates over to a head coach. He's been a heck of a defensive coordinator for for, for New York. I mean, for for Dallas over the last two years, they've been number one in turnover the in takeaways the last two seasons. So I think this is a a, a chance for of for um for the Broncos to re- reset their franchise, fo- focus on the long term. Focus on finding someone who, who who can create a culture, and 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 to and take it from there. And I I, I, I saw a list of of co- coaches who the the Denver Broncos interviewed, and and I thought um uh, that that Nate Hackett deserved to have a chance to be uh to be a head coach, and and, and I thought I really liked the hire, but th- they were they were. Ten coaches who the Broncos interviewed in that first round, and they they had Kevin O'Connell, who is now the Vikings head coach and likely coach of the year. Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn, Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn, 
Packers quarterback coach Luke Getze, Patriots linebacker coach Jared Mayo, Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, Brian Callahan for the Bengals, and Eric Bieniemy for Kansas City. Now, uh, chances are we're going to see some of these names, uh, some of these names again. And Dan Quinn especially is is probably going to be the leader in the clubhouse for the Broncos job. And I would expect Brian Callahan to be on that list. I would expect. Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson to get to get some interviews this year. I don't know if he if he's going to be a head coach, but but that but that's it where, where, where I see where I see the, the these happen. Maybe Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator for Dallas. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see exactly that, uh, how that goes and how and how he work works into the ego of Russell Wilson. But oh, but all in all, the Denver Broncos had an embarrassing, pathetic season. And the Denver Broncos, in my mind, had the single biggest underachieving season uh, that, that I could remember in quite some time. A massive, unbelievable, spectacular underachievement is the way to describe the 2022 Denver Broncos. And it all started and finished with Nathaniel Hackett. So, so the Broncos head coaching surge is going to be fascinating in terms of how coaches react to the Broncos situation and, and where they are, if, they, if, they, if they're going to be tied to Russell Wilson because I don't think anyone's going to take Russell Wilson's contract. So, so I, I think that it, this, will, this could be a tie-in to, the, uh, to, to, uh, to Nate Hackett's old team, the Green Bay Packers, who, unlike the Broncos, have a real shot to make the playoffs. And if you look at the good old standings, all hell broke loose in the NFC over the weekend. The Green Bay Packers, once cast-offs at 4-8, have clawed their way back into the conversation to make the playoffs as the 7th seed in the NFC. And everything that had to break the Packers' way this weekend broke the Packers' way. You got the Packers upsetting the Dolphins on the road, no surprise there. The, the, the Chiefs beat Seattle, the 49ers beat Washington, Minnesota beat the Giants, and the Green Bay Packers uh, and the Carolina Panthers shocked the Detroit Lions by thoroughly outplaying them at home. And so, so, so now, now you look at the Packers. They are 7-8. They are, uh, so they're tied with Seattle and Detroit, and now they need a win. They need to win out their home against Minnesota and Detroit, division rivals, the next two weeks. And they need either one of the following two things to happen: they need the Giants to lose out, and they need Washington to lose one of their last uh, one of their last two games. So. The Packers have a realistic chance to make the playoffs, and and and, and go going back to uh, to the game on Sunday, and the Packers looked lost offensively early, but so but but they they but Aaron Rodgers said that that in recent weeks they rediscovered the uh, the method to the madness, it, 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 and it's finally returned, and it's about running the ball to, uh, to keep the modest at times, and. Aaron Rodgers' vintage touch and feel with the football and controlling the time of possession battle, controlling the takeaway battle. And, you know, so the Packers had, had one of the best um, turnover margins over the last three seasons. Go, going into uh, going into the game on Sunday, it was minus two, which, which ranked 26th in the NFL. And... They, they 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 took the ball away four times. They had the fumble at the end of the first half that uh, that 
that that led to a, that um, led to points. And then on their last three drives in the fourth quarter, they all ended with three interceptions. And I thought the second one was the killer inside field goal range. The, the Dolphins had a great opportunity to uh, uh, to to take the lead. They were in field goal range, and then. Tua Tagovailoa uh, uh, threw, him, threw him right over the middle to Devondre Campbell, who's having a really nice year with Green Bay. So uh, that that set up the, the drive that led to the uh, to a field goal to make it uh, 26-20. And then uh, then with Miami and, uh, under last rights, Tua throws uh, uh, a a free ball to to Green Bay to uh, to to ice the game there and. That they grossly outplayed Miami in the second half, and specifically Aaron Rodgers outplaying Tua Tagovailoa, and so and 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 really the Packers had, in my mind, an opp- uh, a a formula that that trans would translate to a Super Bowl appearance with so with with running the ball, Aaron Rodgers, the defense, uh, Joe Barry's done a terrible job this year with with the defense. I thought he did a good job last year, and why I projected the Packers defense to be uh, to save. The NFC North from be, being ranked eight of eight in terms of the defense uh, ranking of the divisions based on defense. Right now, the NFC North is eight of eight, and uh, and but, but they they just kept beating themselves time and time again with you know the the Detroit debacle where Aaron Rodgers threw three picks. They really they blew a fourteen point lead in London to set a an inferior a team with significantly inferior talent in the Giants. They got their butts kicked by Brees Hall, Zach Wilson, and the Jets. And then going back to week one, the drop touchdown by Christian Watson against Minnesota, which set which set the tone for for bad vibes throughout the first the first half the first half plus of the season. But they they figured out something in the fourth quarter against Dallas. Is that they, they overcame a fourteen point deficit there and won. They 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 were uh, they were competitive with Philadelphia, the team that's gonna be the one seed in the NFC and then they were down against the Bears, found a way uh, late, and they found a way to win that. Uh, they 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 kicked the Rams in the butt on Monday night last week, and then, uh, and then in a statement win, it uh, in in not ideal weather for Miami with temperatures in the 40s, they found a way to win uh, that game. And the Packers, I thought, were a well-constructed team with strong defense and Aaron Rodgers and all that. But Aaron Rodgers told the press earlier last week that that he, he is finally happy that they're playing a fun, loose, more enthusiastic type of game, and they'll be a dangerous team come playoff time because of Aaron Rodgers in uh, in the playoffs and 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 that talented defense and that and that running attack and and, and so you look at the Packers schedule, the Pack uh, and, and the rest of the NFC wildcard contenders that that are still. In the conversation, Green Bay is home against Minnesota and Detroit. Washington is home against Cleveland and Dallas. Seattle's home against the Jets and the Rams. Detroit is home against Chicago and Green Bay. I uh, said Chicago, then they're at Green Bay. And then the Giants are home against the Colts, and then they finish the season at Philadelphia. So Green Bay needs to win out and either have Washington lose once or have the Giants to lose out, and they'll be in. And uh, and I think there is a realistic shot that that'll happen because if if you uh, because the Packers are playing by far their best football of the season that they're, they're playing a uh, they're playing a, re- a really good level of of, of football from, from my taste and if they get in if you're San Francisco or Minnesota 
watch out. The Packers are going to be a dangerous football team come uh, uh, come the playoffs if that if they find a way to make the playoffs. So I think the Packers conversation is going to be fascinating for all the reasons I documented. Let, let's go to another. Uh, 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 let's stay in the NFC North and talk about the Minnesota Vikings and. I thought that was a, a, that that was a, another statement entertainment uh, a statement entertaining terrific victory for the Minnesota Vikings on Saturday against Brian Dable, Daniel Jones, and the Giants. And to me, that win solidified the case for Kevin O'Connell to be the coach of the year in the NFL. And the the the, the Vikings won another one score victory. The Vikings were. 11 and 0 in one 11 and 0 in one score games this season. They keep finding ways to win games when they're not at their best. And the Vikings were not on their A game uh, on on Sunday, especially on defense. They gave up 445 yards to the Giants. It's a, a, a team that ranked near the bottom of the NFL in terms of yards gained, uh, total yards per game. But, uh, but, and the Giants were able to move the ball up and down the field. Daniel Jones threw for 334 yards. Saquon Barkley had 80, uh, uh, ran for a touchdown uh, on a big fourth and two late. So, but, but they took advantage of, of Giants' mistakes and, 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 and they got, they took advantage of the Daniel Bellinger fumble inside Vikings, inside field goal range, the, the interception inside field goal range, the, the blocked punt in the fourth quarter, which set up their last touchdown. And then they overcame some Wink Martindale blitzes, and, you know, the, uh, the blitzes that the Giants would, would live or die on. To, to set up the game-winning 61-yard field goal from from Greg Joseph to give the Vikings a 27 to 24 win, and look, I had the Vikings as a nine-win team in the season. Had had concerns about the defense, and I had the Vikings on the outside looking in when when we predicted the win-loss records for and and the playoff teams in the NFL, but. The but the transition from Mike Zimmer, who rarely had any feel or grip on. On how to on how to shut down games, and the Vikings had a Super Bowl caliber offense that couldn't couldn't go anywhere because they couldn't close defensively with with their secondary be, being quite leaky and the linebackers were not good. But it's a lot different this time because Kevin O'Connell has done a great job changing the culture. They're finding ways to win when they're not playing at their best, and and you you see the thirty three nothing comeback against Indianapolis week fifteen, the Buffalo game where they were down ten on the road in Buffalo in the fourth quarter, which was amazing in and itself. And you need a heroics from Justin Jefferson, and and that and that's another example. And there, and, and this is another uh, another fourth quarter comeback for Minnesota technically because they were down 13-10 going to the fourth. They kept shooting themselves in the foot. And and they and they outscored the Giants seventeen to eleven, and, and and the Vikings delivered a couple of punches in, in the fourth with 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 T.J. Hawkinson's second touchdown, and so and then the block punt, which which set up a touchdown, which which put the Vikings up twenty four sixteen. Then then the Giants responded brilliantly with Daniel Jones being tough and clutch, and Saquon Barkley having having critical runs and. Isaiah Hodgins was was really good, but Richie James uh, uh, caught a couple, of, uh, dropped a couple of critical passes that would have, I thought, would have changed the outcome in this game. But 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 the Vikings, but the Vikings revolve around the passing attack, 
and more specifically, Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. And, and I thought Quesi Adolfo Mensa was brilliant in trading TJ Hawkinson. And the, the Vikings do not win that game on, on, on Saturday without, without either one of those two guys. And, they, and the, the, the two of them together were dynamite. And they combined for 25 catches and 242 yards and, th- and all three of Kirk Cousins' touchdown passes. So I, I thought that that was a sensational win. And yes, I know that, yes, the Vikings do not have, have, are the, have much more superior talent on the Giants. The, the Vikings offense have, have by far the most amount of talent on the field on Sunday. But, but they found a way to win when they were not playing well. And, 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 and sure, the, 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 if you take away either one of those two giveaways by the Giants, they, uh, they, uh, the chances are Minnesota, Minnesota does not win that game. So, uh, but, um, but, but, but credits is where credits do, and and Kevin O'Connell right now is is most likely the favorite to be the other uh, coach of the year this year in the NFL. And, and and one of the ways you tell the story about the Vikings turnaround is you you, you can do it a couple ways. You can you can make Justin Jefferson the offensive player of the year. You can. Uh, you you can give Kirk Cousins a, a, a vote or two in the MVP in the MVP ballot. You, this year, the MVP ballot expanded to five guys that you you can put on. Yeah, you that that's a way you can tell a story. You can tell. Uh, I, I, but but I think the best way to tell to tell the story about the 2022 Minnesota Vikings from from an editorial standpoint and from a visual standpoint is to is to make the thing uh, to make. Uh, make, make Kevin O'Connell the the coach of the year in the National Football League. So we so, so the Vikings are twelve and three, and and they have a chance to clinch the number two seed with with a, with um uh, with with the win uh, on on sun uh, on Sunday against um uh, against the Packers, and that that's going to be a fascinating game. It's going to be uh, a a lot of a a, a big broadcasting game on. The, the NFL on CBS with Nance Romo and and Wolfson on the call so the so the Vikings can clinch the number two seed in the in the NFC if if they win or have the 49ers lose or tie against the Raiders on Sunday chances are the, the second thing is not going to happen so the Vikings are going to need two wins to to cement the two seed and a, and a divisional playoff home game here so uh, I I think all, all things being being told here is is gonna be is gonna be uh, a, a wonderful thing for uh, for that. Now the Vikings do have that outside shot at the one seed still because the Eagles lost to the Cowboys on on Saturday, but uh, 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 but I still think Minnesota now their upside is to be the two seed, and I think that would. So that would um, strengthen the case for Kevin O'Connell to be the coach of the year. If they if they have a better record than a more talented San Francisco team. Now the 49ers have the Raiders and the Cardinals in the last two weeks, and the Vikings have the Raiders. Uh, the Vikings have the uh, division rivals on the uh, uh, on the road in uh, in Green Bay and in Chicago. So I so that's gonna be a, a great story for there. And finally, I, I'm I'm so happy for the diehard Steelers fans, and and, and the the Steelers needed to win that game on Saturday, uh, Saturday night, Christmas Eve against the Raiders, and 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 and, and even especially for. 
the emotional overtones that uh, for uh, for the franchise in terms of uh, in terms of winning on national TV against against a historic rival in the Raiders on the 50th anniversary on the day after the 50th anniversary of the immaculate immaculate reception considered to be the greatest play in the history of the National Football League and a rather controversial one if, if we're being fair here but that that but that was a sensational win and and I think that this this was the moment where so where where Kenny Pickett uh or so earn his wings and said so, look the the Steelers had 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 problems with, with moving the ball up and down the field uh against the against the Raiders defense said that that you should score upon. So, I mean, I mean, when you, when you factor in uh, the 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 missed opportunities from Pittsburgh on special teams, when you, when you look at uh, look at how the Raiders were able to move the ball up and down the field in the first half, but Kenny Pickett had had his chance to to, to solidify himself and, and 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 endear himself to the hearts of Steelers fans, and and he and he led a tough clutch game game winning touchdown drive uh, against the Raiders uh, on. Uh, on uh, on Saturday night, and it it it, it was a uh, an emotional scene. Um, uh, with uh, Kenny Pickett throwing a, throwing the game winning touchdown to George Pickens with less than a minute to go to give the Steelers a thirteen to ten lead, which which held up, and, and then the Steelers de- uh, the Steelers make 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 the big play on, on the opposite end. Uh, just like uh, just like the the, the old days where, um, it's where um, it's where where Sutton made the interception, and and which solidified the game. And I would go to to that winning drive for Kenny Pickett. Ten plays, seventy six yards. Uh, in in they got the ball with three minutes left, and they. And they drove down the field for for the winning score. So, I, I really like uh, I loved uh, to how he, how he came through when it mattered the most with it's a with with fi- finding guys like uh, Pat Frymuth. Uh, he, uh, he actually incorporated Deontay Johnson into the offense. So I for once I really liked that. But George Pickens had what was great, and not Najee Harris was wasn't played a big role in the receiving game. He had six receptions, tied for the second most on the field behind. Behind Firemuth, and 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 now you have a uh, you have uh, Kenny Pickett fully ingrained in the Steelers culture, uh, fully ingrained in, in, in what the Steelers are trying to do. Uh, transition over uh, trans- transition to him from Ben Roethlisberger, and, and, and Kenny Pickett in, in endeared himself to uh, to the fan base on on Sunday on Saturday night. And on the flip side. The the Ra- the never took the cheese on the Raiders. I I, I said before the season the Raiders were going to hit nine losses and that they they've already hit nine losses and there's a chance that they'll go to eleven. And Derek Carr was terrible and uh, and he threw, threw three interceptions, a couple of mind numbing interceptions, and he and he didn't he did not play well on on Sunday. He had a twenty point two QBR, which 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 is terrible. That they they really couldn't establish anything on the run. Uh, he got sacked three times, and and, and he never incorporated Devonte Adams in, in, into the ball game here. And then Devonte Adams two catches for fifteen yards. Imagine all the fantasy owners that were reliant uh, that were reliant on Devonte Adams to uh, to, uh, to, uh, to have a big night on on fantasy football semifinal day uh, weekend for most. Uh, 
and and he and he laid an egg. So so that that's where I started on the Raiders. Never took the cheese on them. But but the bottom line here is was was look, I was rooting for the Steelers because of the uh, because of, of that, the, 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 the death of Franco Harris two days before the anniversary, and then that, and then the game was played in memory of Franco Harris, who, so remember, he has a statue at, 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 the, at the local airport, and, 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 and as a result, he was, uh, and as a result, uh, with, with, with him being instrumental to what the Steelers were trying to do as a culture, I'm built upon, uh, from all from all the losing from the fifties and sixties, and he turned it around along with Chuck Noll and Terry Bradshaw. And speaking of Terry Bradshaw, Kenny Pickett was twenty four years old when he threw that touchdown on on Saturday, and and, Tre- Te- Te- and Terry Bradshaw was twenty four when he threw the immaculate reception pass to to Franco Harris. So I, I I thought it was a tremendous tremendous victory. For the Pittsburgh Steelers and their fans, so congratulations to all the diehard Steelers fans who who not not, not only needed this ju- 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 just for, for for the emotional importance of it, but also because because it, it kept the Steelers' slim playoff hopes alive, and they flexed the Sunday night game. Uh, flex their game against the Ravens to Sunday nights. A, a heated rivalry, two teams that do not like each other. We'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson, uh, with 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 his health, and it's and it's gonna be a fun, uh, fun Sunday night, a fun New Year's night in a warm Baltimore, Maryland, coming up, um, this weekend on NBC. Alrighty then, I'm gonna give you a couple of topics that that, that could be noteworthy around the NBA, and. I, I I thought the Boston Celtics look like the team that, that that's gonna win a championship now. The, the the Celtics offense what was was just splendid for um for for the hometown fans in in front of the hometown fans on on Sunday night against against Milwaukee and I was watching this game instead of the Broncos and the Rams fiasco and 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 the Boston what was just tremendous all all the way around they were uh they were able to uh to be uh, to be fun with seven deep and. And Jason Tatum was outstanding, 41 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Jalen Brown was great, 29 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Robert Williams was excellent again again on, on defense. And and they, they got some contributions from all across the roster, from, from Malcolm Brogdon to Devin, Derek White to Grant Williams. And, 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 I, and I thought it was all sorts of awesome. When, when you look at it from a Boston Celtics perspective, and the the the, the Celtics have done an outstanding job uh, th- throughout the course of the season, and Jason Tatum uh, re- re- regained his spot on the MVP ladder boards at atop the MVP ladder boards uh, when the season started, and Joe Mazzulla is doing a phenomenal job with his team, and and Brad Stevens has done a great job with with assembling a roster together for. I move mean, for all, 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 all intents and purposes here, and I, I, I thought this was a tremendous, tremendous uh, victory for the Celtics. Now they're a game and a half up on Milwaukee for the best record in the East and best record in the NBA, and 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 Milwaukee needs Chris Middleton back, and it's and I, that that was the that was the big uh, p- puzzle piece when uh, for their second round series against Boston last year, 
where, where Middleton wasn't available for uh, for for that series, and, and and Milwaukee still took them seven because of the prowess of Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, but yeah, I, I but but Milwaukee, I, th- th- this this game showed that Milwaukee is is a much different team when when Chris Middleton is healthy and producing at the level he is supposed to. And th- this was a Milwaukee team that would have beaten Boston, uh, this Boston team last year with a healthy Chris Middleton, be, uh, be, uh, and because of uh, what what he, what he could do to offset Ro- uh, Robert Williams and and Marcus Smart, but um, but I, I, I still have but I still have believability in Milwaukee. I still think uh, when 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 they get Middleton back, I think they'll become a much different team. And, and I think it's, I think you're going to see these two teams again in in the Eastern Conference Finals, and 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 I I look at the 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 scope of of the East, and there there are basically five teams that that can win that can theoretically uh that be be uh, be in the Conference Finals. You look at Boston and Milwaukee at the top, and then you have Cleveland, then you have. Brooklyn eight, winners of eight in a row, and Philadelphia winners of eight in a row, and and, and probably uh, and Philadelphia's most impressive victory of the season, in my opinion, happened on Sunday against the Knicks at the Garden, and Joel Embiid and James Harden were splendid. Uh, George, George, uh, George's Niang was excellent off the bench. He helped spark that comeback. And, and, and meanwhile, the the Knicks had 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 everything going on in the first three quarters, uh, and with. With R.J. Barrett, with with Julius Randle, with Jalen Brunson be, being great, but then but but, but then they 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 went cold because of especially from from the from the three point range went uh, when it mattered the most, and that and that was a, a crummy loss again for the Knicks. So who, who after having an eight game winning streak snapped on Wednesday against Toronto, they they had a brutal loss against Chicago. On Friday, and then they they they, they and then they uh, couldn't hang on against against Philadelphia on 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 Sunday on Christmas Day at the Garden. So the, the, the uh, so those were the, the two big things I took away from from yesterday's Christmas Day action in the NBA, which which was lost in the shuffle with all the NFL stuff going on. I, th- I do want to touch touch on the college football playoff because we'll we'll, we'll be talking about. Other things on the other podcasts this week, so I want to make sure we, we lock in our college football playoff picks. So what we we have in the Peach Bowl, we got Georgia and we got Ohio State, and 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 and, and the line in this game, if if I if I could get get it up, I I I thought I saw, um, as a, I I thought I saw Georgia favored by seven. We'll 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 see exactly. Uh, uh, whether or not that that is right with with all that, and 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 let let let's get these picks up. And we also have Michigan and TCU, uh, uh going going up against each other, uh, in the Fiesta Bowl on on New Year's Eve day. So, um, uh, so according to to the FanDuel, which which we'll be using for for this one, we have, um. It's, so let's see. We have Georgia favored by six and a half over Ohio State, and then we have Michigan favored by seven and a half. That's the line we'll play with 
against TCU. And I think uh, it, the, the Georgia-Ohio State game is going to be competitive. I think it's going to be a, a, a fun game to watch. And you, you know how much I really like C.J. Stroud. But, but but I just think Georgia's defense is, is, is going to be too good uh, for Ohio State. Now, I think it's going to be a closer game than people anticipate because of... Uh, 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 because that's that, that's how I'm feeling with with the way Ohio State uh, has the uh, with with the offense, but I think this is a game where Georgia sh- should win twenty eight to twenty three. I think it's gonna be a close game, but Georgia will, will wind up with the win. And then we got Michigan, a seven and a half point favorites against TCU, and I I just think this is a this is a bad matchup for for TCU. I I, I think j- just just don't think they have the talent to compete with Michigan, especially when you look at Michigan's running attack, which is which is one of the one of the best rushing attacks in all of college football. And Jim Harbaugh has done a heck of a job with with, with this coaching staff with, with the coaching this year, and I'll take Michigan to what wind wind up winning this game by a score of. 31 to um 31 to 17 so so that's that's where where we are with with that and, and then we have the um uh, then we do have a, a bit of ba- a baseball development with the uh with with Carlos Correa's contract with with the Mets and it reportedly hit a snag on Saturday when when the Mets raised some concerns with the physical, now I do expect that 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 the contract is going to be uh, going to be uh, renegotiated and and restructured because of Correa's health issue with his leg. But but at the end of the day, I think that the 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 Mets will find a way to take care of business and 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 get the victory there. So. That's going to do it for this edition of Hooked on Sports. I'll be back here on the podcast on Wednesday to, to, to discuss some big storylines in Week 17 in the NFL, including the return of Mike White for for the Jets. So until then, I'll be back here on the podcast on Wednesday. So until then, so long, everybody.